Welcome to the Hustle Class Podcast. We have a quick disclaimer. All material presented within Hustle Class LLC is not investment advice, but for educational purposes only. Trading involves risk and you are solely responsible for your investment decisions and assume the entire risk of any trading you choose to undertake. Owners of Hustle Class LLC and its representatives are not registered as security broker dealers or investment advisors, either with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or with any state securities regulatory authority. Please utilize a registered investment or financial advisor to make any financial decisions. If you choose to invest without seeking advice from such an advisor or entity, then any consequences resulting from your investments are your sole responsibility. By utilizing Hustle Class LLC in our content, you are indicating your consent and agreement to our disclaimer. Welcome to the Hustle Class Podcast. It is your boy Jermaine. I am back at it again, and you already know what time it is. Man, that intro is long, but not only is it long, it's also necessary. Thank you all for tuning in once again. I'm glad that you, you know, are a patron of this podcast and you make sure that you tune in and get the information and you support this platform for expression, um, for the benefit and betterment of, you know, all people who listen to it. So thank you for tuning in and we're going to get our hustle on. All right. So the first thing, you know, as usual, I like to go through is, you know, a song um, that's right out of my hustle playlist. Um, I have a hustle playlist and I add music to it as time progresses. And inside this playlist is music that just makes me feel alive, makes me feel inspired, makes me, you know, boost my motivation, helps me stay disciplined and structured and getting the stuff I need to get done um, so that I can live and lead a better life. Right. So today, the song that we're going to be talking about um, is, you know, right hand to God um, or is it real big? I think it's real big, real big by Nipsey Hussle. You know, he has right hand to God and real big and both songs serve as a beacon of inspiration. Um, but today we're going to talk about real big, right? And that's a song with uh, Nipsey Hussle featuring Marsha Ambrosius. And it's, um, you know, a song that it was served as inspiration, but in the untimely death of, you know, the mentor Nipsey, um, you know, it's um, it's a song that turned into more like a, a sad ballad of sorts, um, you know, a mourning song, right? Because he talks about, you know, coming from nothing, making it somewhere. And the fact that, you know, in this life, more can come out of it if you just try. And that he's just on the brink of what he wants to accomplish. And then, you know, before, you know, things could even gain traction with, you know, Grammy nominations and things of that nature, we lost him. Um, but so the line that I'm going to bring from this song is, is going to just be one line. Um, it's not even going to be a whole like bar, if you will. Um, it's, um, the line that, um, I took from this song is large profit margin on the long shot. And, you know, this harbors in one of the points that we've been getting at when it comes to the idea of wealth, um, especially in a financial standpoint that, Things take time, um, you know, frankly, like we live in a microwave era where everybody wants things as quickly as they see them. And that is just not the truth about life in general or how things come to us. Right. There is um, there's probably more chances of so many different things happening than for, you know, us to win, win the lottery, for example. But everybody, you know, a lot of people, you know, make sure they have that ticket or they make sure they, they're scratching to see if they win something. Right. And those chances are just so skewed. But people still make those things happen. Why? Because, you know, one scratch away, one better way, right? But in the grand scheme of things, it isn't one better way. It's um to, to build a life of wealth takes discipline and 
a, a continuation and a culmination of a lot of good um, decisions being made and a lot of hard work being put in and a lot of execution. Um, you know, it's more likely for you to become, you know, wealthy by, you know, having a savings plan, having savings goals, having an investment plan, working with the fiduciary or, um, you know, financial planner, things of that nature, as opposed to, you know, gambling it or trying to get it through gambling. Because another saying, too, is, um, you know, you kind of get it as quickly as you, you know, you kind of lose it as quickly as you get it. And, you know, that's what people say the difference is between rich and wealthy is that wealthy is something that you can't really lose in a day. And think about it, if something um, can leave as quickly as it came, would you want to get rich in a day? You know what I'm saying? And that's part of the reason why I like the idea of, you know, wealth and wealth conversations, because it's like we're, we're building blocks and steps towards something greater. And the foundations that we lay and building upon those blocks, I mean, we'll be standing as tall as the pyramids as opposed to something that's just stacked really fast without time. You know what I'm saying? If I told you that this home took, you know, um, you know, let's say two years to build as opposed to a home that might have taken two weeks to build, we know we know which one you would pick, right? Naturally. Because we like things that are stable, we like things that are structured, we like things that won't fail us. So, you know, there and this is the example. There's a large profit margin on the long shot, right? On the long shot. Not the short shot, right? The long shot. So, you know, and that ties into the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Um, today, I wanted to talk about real estate, right? I wanted to, um, you know, give some gems because I know some people in here are thinking, okay, well, I, I'm thinking about real estate now. I want to get my first home. Now is a great time if you have the money, if you have the credit for it, right? Now is not the worst time. If you already have an idealistic property in mind and things like that, now is not a bad time. Why? Interest rates are low. Interest rates are updated pretty much every day, um, but right now they're remarkably low and they're staying there. There's no telling how long it will stay there, right? Um, but the goal about interest rates and getting low ones is because you'll end up paying less over the life of your loan with a lower interest rate. This is what a lot of people don't realize. When you see something like 2% interest, 4% interest, 5% interest, um, over the course of time, since that interest value is calculated pretty much every month or on like a consistent basis year over year um by the at the end of the life of your loan you're going to end up paying way more than four percent right if i have a three hundred thousand dollar home right and let's say for a lack of you know for for, for the sake of simplicity let's say i have a three hundred thousand dollar home and i take uh, and it's a ten percent interest on my loan right for me to use that three hundred thousand um, at the end of my loan, I'm not going to be paying 330000 No, that extra 30000 in value is going to be calculated on a yearly basis as I progress. So after year one, for me to pay off my loan, I would have to pay back 330000 And then after year two, and then it, it stacks up, right? So by the if I have a 30-year mortgage, by the time 30 years is up, I've basically paid simplistically. This is not an accurate number because if you want to get really accurate, it's going to be actually more. But let's say for a lack of, you know, a calculator right now, if I multiply that $30,000, right, which is 10% of 300000 times 30, that would be the amount of interest that I would pay besides the actual principal, which is the 300000 that I took out, right? So you're talking about somebody paying $1.2 million for a $300,000 property. 
it's a really wild number, right? And you're not going to hopefully get a home with an interest rate of 10% or on the mortgage, right? But this is just a simple way for me to kind of explain how interest works, right? So a home that I, you know, that I've been looking at recently, since the interest rates are at like, let's say 3% right now, right? 25 to 3%, that home, right? After 30 years, let's say the home is worth 200K, right? I would end up paying over the life of my loan, maybe mm, we'll say 400K, just double the price of the home. But that means that, um, you know, i paid two hundred thousand dollars for the home itself and then i paid two hundred dollars extra two hundred thousand dollars extra for the actual loan interest that i you know have to pay back because the bank loaned me money i didn't have so we want to make sure that um you know we're, we're trying to buy homes in low interest markets if it is our desire to be a homeowner you know it's just better off for you and paying it off in the long term and so that's the idea behind you know why a lot of people are buying homes at this present moment and why a lot of people are thinking of getting homes at this present moment, um, you know. And if you want to know about cool ways to um, take an investment approach to getting your first property or your first home, you could definitely listen to the last podcast episode where I go over, like, house hacking and, you know, the identity or the, I guess, structure of buying a property, living in one of the rooms or pieces of the property if it is a multi a multi-unit family um you know property and then renting out the other ones to be able to cover your mortgage and then rinsing and repeating that process in order for you to gain traction and gain properties um so that's what i talked about in the last episode so the first thing that you want to make sure you have intact when it actually comes to you, okay, I'm I'm comfortable to now get a home in this market, I'm thinking about it, I'm really interested in it, is to make sure your credit is good, right? Because like I said, the interest rate that I'm talking about right now is, it's one based on the rates, right, that um, the government is handing out, cool. But the government hands out those rates at a sort of range or they have a certain rate, but you can only get that rate if you're in a certain credit bracket. If you don't have the right credit, you're going to you you cannot, you know, credit is a form of trust. It lets um, lenders know that they can trust you with the money that they're giving you. If there's not a high level of trust for them to feel more comfortable giving you the loan or more secure in the loan, they have to increase the interest rate that they're going to give you on that loan because you're more risky than somebody else with a better credit score. So you have to make sure that your credit is good and you have to establish good credit history. One of these days, I'm definitely going to get into the credit bag and give a little bit of conversation about that. But um, that's the first thing that you kind of need to consider when it's time for you to get a home. Like, what is my credit score? Because that's what's going to give you that rate that we're talking about that is, you know, so desired. Right. And, you know, generally um, when your lender is looking at um, your credit report, they're going to get it from like usually um, a couple of different places. Um, they might use um, Experian and TransUnion and Equifax, um, you know, to get like um, a FICO score um, or a sort of score that comes out, um, which has, you know, your credit information or like the basically the the score value that's you know based on their criteria right a lot of times it's difficult to figure out what triggers your credit could it be the credit cards could it be a loan i took out um you know things like that so um but they'll basically inquire or make credit credit inquiries about 
what your credit is from multiple sources and kind of take an average to determine what your average credit is for the loan that you want from them to see what kind of interest rate they can give you um, and what kind of let's say you need like and if you don't have a certain amount down for the home as well you'll need like mortgage insurance so then you'll also have to pay for that as well but i'll break down actually all the different types of charges and things that can come into a um coming to the cost of a home in another episode I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to give you guys all the game i can give you in this bucket so you know we're gonna keep it pushing right but yeah so they're gonna look at the credit score so they're gonna run your credit right it's gonna be a hard run so um one thing that i actually and uh, have thought about um, in terms of running credit is, okay, if they're going to run your credit and you're getting a loan, right, from a mortgage officer, right, or loan officer, one thing that you might want to do is have, let's say, two or three mortgage officers you want to, you know, make an inquiry about to get um, pre-approved, right, um, for your loan. And then you can actually um, let them run your thing, right? Run your credit. And because all three of them are running it around the same time frame, it's not looked at as crazy as if they were all running it, let's say one month after the other, because then that would be a lot of a lot of credit running over the course of time. Whereas all of them grouped as mortgage credit runs within the same week or the same, you know, days, if you will, it's it's not going to be as um threatening from like a credit score perspective when it comes to, you know, um, an inquiry, a hard inquiry affecting your credit, right? But like I said, you want to make sure that you um, your credit is intact um, before you try to get pre-approved for the loan because that pre-approval is going to give you an outline of what that you what your interest rate will probably be, what the what the costs associated with what you're asking the bank for are going to be, and all that type of stuff, right? Good. So you know, and also before you even get to the actual asking for the loan, right? Uh, or for the loan from the mortgage um, officers or loan officers, one thing that you're also going to want to consider is the fact that, you know, I know that um, there's like three major types of loans that there are. There are conventional loans, um, there's FHA loans, and then there are VA loans, right? And VA loans is military-based, so if anybody's in the military, um, they have a loan, which is the VA loan, that's beneficial to you because what happens is you can actually take um, that you can actually take a mortgage on a home with no money down because of your military status, right? Great. So you don't have to, you know, this part you can kind of skip over, right? At the same time, you don't want to be house rich and cash poor because, you know, if anything happens with the home, you want to have the funds to be able to do things with the home. But the reason why I say, you know, you can close your ears to this part, military people, is because um, other people who do not qualify for the VA loan are going to need some money down on the home, right? You need to have money for a down payment. You need to have money for closing costs and prepaids and other fees, right? Um, so with that being said, you know, just because your credit score is looking good, that doesn't mean you can automatically just run to the loan officers right away. <laughs> you also need to know, like I said, what kind of home you're kind of looking for, for one, how much that's going to cost and how much your down payment is probably going to be, right? For um, for most conventional loans, I believe you need about, what, 10% of the home down? And then um, I know for a fact for the FHA, you need about 3.5% down um, or let's say 3% down for the home, um, you know? So if your home is worth $300,000, 3% of that, if I'm not mistaken, is around nine grand. So you'll need nine grand um, at least. If you have a $300,000 home, you need nine grand at closing. 
and that's that's going to be your um your down payment now you also have like closing costs right cost of actually closing on the property which don't include your down payment and then you also have other fees and prepaids associated with closing as well so there's like a lot of different fees that you'll end up having to pay as a result of um you know getting the home so if i was you know a betting man and i would say okay i'm getting a home what do I kind of need to have ready for the home if I'm getting, you know, if I don't want to put too much money up for it, I want to get a nice little mortgage on this home. Maybe I'm going to get a VA loan or a conventional loan and ask them to bring the percentage down a little bit, right? Let's let's talk the simplest terms, the cheapest terms, right, for those who have to pay a down payment. So if I need 3%, right, for the home, the, um, the thing that I'm going to do, right, on a $300,000 property, right, I'm going to look at, um, okay, if I need 3% for the down payment for the home that's about nine grand i'm going to multiply that nine by three so i'm going to try to have about nine percent ready for the home for you know actually purchasing the home right and that's just because who knows what might come into play when it comes to the prepays and the and the um other closing costs associated with the home who knows if i may have to um have a little more cash available for the home because I'm bidding with other people for the home. Maybe, you know, you didn't listen to the last episode and you heard me talk about, you know, actually finding like deals and finding people who are looking to move out of their properties and, you know, trying to get those people's homes, right? Because they could probably give you a discount if they're just looking to have an easy process without a lot of back and forth with different buyers. So, um, you know, that's something to think about, though. So I would say that a good approach is to really have that money handy, because if you want this home and you really want to get it, you want to make sure that you have the cash available. So if you are approved for the loan, you know, which is going to cover the bulk of the cost of your house, you will still have money for that down payment and you'll have money for the other extra costs that might be associated with it. You could try to just double it and have 6% total available so that you can put the 3% down for your down payment and have the other 3% for the potential cost that might come up but for safekeeping nine percent is going to be your best bet right so that means if i was to get that three hundred thousand dollar home i would probably need to have close to or around twenty seven thousand dollars liquid for me to be able to feel the most comfortable about acquiring that purchase with no hiccups because my credit score is good we've already addressed that I'm about to get this loan and I know I have the cash associated with what the bank isn't going to give me and what they're going to need me to provide myself. I know for a fact I'll have it, right? And I know for a fact I've probably overshot the price of the extra fees and the prepaids and the closing stuff. And so, you know, you have everything intact and now you're pretty much good to go. So you need to make sure you have that saving and budgeting plan in place so you can have about 9% for this process, you know, 10% is golden, but about 9% if you're going the lowest route, which is the FHA. But if you don't have to get a conventional loan and you have to put more money down for the home for that loan, you know what I'm saying? It, it might be a whole nother story, right? Um, so yeah. And you know, <clears throat> one might ask, what's the big difference between the conventional and the FHA? A lot of the most, one of the most differences is one of them is going to require you to put more money down on the home, but it's going to give you a slightly better interest rate, right? Because you're more trusted because you've actually shown up with cash to buy the home. Whereas the other one, which is the FHA is going to be like, okay, you couldn't, you, you had to get a greater loan. So your interest rate might reflect that, right? Because they have to give you more money than the person who's coming with more money in hand, basically. Um, so that's another way to understand it. I know that this is kind of dragging along. You guys are taking some notes. 
Um, it's a lot of information, but, you know, I feel like this is very helpful for a lot of people who are looking to, you know, get their homes. Um, you know, and I think I'll do this in two parts. I might do another one, um, another one next week. Um, and so, you know, stay tuned for that. Um, and now we're going to get to the pre-qualification for the mortgage, right? So like I said, for the mortgage, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get pre-qualified, right? Which means the loan officers are going to, um, show you basically how much you can afford on the home based on where you stand financially, right? Taking into account your income, not how much you actually like save. That's not the first thing, right? Your income, gross income. They're going to look at that. They're going to look at your debt and then they're going to look at your savings, right? And then they might consider other factors. For all you know, you have some great investments that you can pull from to make liquid or they put you in better standing with the idea of the bank giving you money because they know that you manage money well. You have investments, a good amount of investments, they feel like, oh, they can trust you, they can give you a great interest rate, or they can make this loan happen for you, right? So you're going to want to reach out to a loan officer. Um, you know, a lot of people have loan officers. I have a, I have a friend who I know is a loan officer. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people who um, can help you with this process. And, you know, another thing to always do is to, you know, uh, definitely talk to people um, that are close to you that own homes in the area and who worked with them to help them get their homes. But you can also use the internet. It's a, it's a really great place. You can look at, um, you look on Google reviews and see what reviews people have of different places and things of that nature to figure out how you can get your mortgage. But pre pre-qualification is going to be them kind of just like, you know, it's like a, it's like a draft. They're going to kind of look at everything and kind of give you a ballpark. And then once you decide that, okay, you actually want to like go with them, Right. Then they're going to really get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what they can actually provide for you. And you're also going to probably need to have like a really, really solid idea of the type of property you want, because they're going to need to do like things like pricing, location, zip code to give you that value of how much you can actually how much money they think you have to be able to afford that home. Right. So you're going to need a little more information. But pre-qualification is a, is a pretty smooth process. Um, once you give them all your information, you kind of go through. And then, you know, then they can start requesting stuff, like I said, like the addresses and stuff after that. Um, so, yeah. And so that I feel like is um, is a lot of information. You know, it's a lot to take in. So I would want you all to, like, take that in, soak that in, basically. Right. And just keep that with you. And then, you know, come, you know, next week, um, I'll do another episode just so that you have, you know, more information about the home getting process, right? And I know we have listeners from all over the world. Um, you know, this is a global podcast. Um, I know we have listeners in Russia. I know we have listeners in um, the UK. I know we have listeners, um, you know, in Africa, listeners in Canada. Um, shout out to everybody who's listening to this podcast across the globe. Like, we really appreciate it. South America, we see you. Um, Australia, we see you. You know, thank you to everybody listening. And, you know, I know that this process might not directly apply to everyone because this I'm talking strictly American right here. But I mean, generally speaking, you know, there's probably similar processes implemented across different countries and different landscapes so that you all can get homes. Take what you can out of what I'm saying. Leave what you don't need. But there are some gems in here. Whatever the case may be, if it's about budgeting for a home or if it's about making sure that you have good credit or whatever the case may be for what you need to get your home, making sure that you're prepared um, to engage in that and taking advantage of opportunities when the home buying process is more favorable for you and is easier for you. Because one thing I'll say about the interest rates and how low they are right now is that based on 
the average inflation rate year over year, you getting a home now with the current interest rate is going to is going to beat inflation. Basically, as the dollar gets cheaper and cheaper, you kind of locked in the price for a home at a at a lower rate. So your home is basically um, probably going to appreciate at a value greater than inflation, right? And things of that nature. So based on, you know, because it's all about entry. It's all about the price you bought your home at. You know what I'm saying? It's a great home, but if I buy the great home at a wrong price, it's a bad purchase. So think about that. Um, yeah, but I've done a lot of real estate talk. I'm going to leave it for now. I'm going to continue the rest, um, you know, the rest next week, like I said. But something about the market, right, that I want everybody to understand before uh, I cut this off is that September is traditionally one of the worst months for stocks in terms of their performance. What does that mean for investors? That means September is the month of the year where you can probably find your entries in your gold mines in the positions you've been thinking about all year. Stock market is going is going down. People are panicking. People are selling. September and October are the, are, are the opportunities that we look for. When everybody was like, what happened in March? Man, if it happened again, I know exactly what I would buy, the price I would buy it at. Those opportunities might not come back for a while. But in the meantime, September has something called quad witching. Quad witching is basically when a lot of option contracts end and a lot of people's positions are closed, which means a lot of selling. If there's a lot of selling, market's going to come a little lower. But what do we know? November, December, January is usually a rally time frame because we're heading into the Christmas seasons where a lot of people are being consumers and buying things and spending money. And a lot of these companies are going to have a lot of success. So do not panic. Do not be afraid. The market has cycles of up and down and September is down. So what do you think is next? My point exactly. Thank you all for tuning in. I love y'all. I appreciate all the support continuously, like I said, from around the world, especially here in the U.S., you know, here at home. And I wish you all the best. Any questions can be emailed to hustleclass at gmail.com. Thank you all so much, and I appreciate everything. Have a good one.